All right, so let's go ahead and jump into our message. We're in week five of our Closer series. So just so you know, again, I try to like to give you a little bit of a roadmap at times. Uh, if everything goes the way I'm planning, which it doesn't always go that way, but we'll see, um, we're going to be finishing up this series next week before we move into a new series, uh, basically the second week of February. So I've really enjoyed this series. I believe it's been a very important series as we've kind of been in the fast and moving forward in that with our desire to really go closer to God during this year and closer to each other. And so we're going to be looking at a story that I've always enjoyed, a story that I think has some, some truth for us to really look at today. But we're going to be in Genesis 6. We're going to look uh, at the story of Noah. We're not going to get into all of the story of the flood and Noah, but we're going to kind of look at him and kind of begin this uh, process of kind of seeing some things, some qualities that I believe are very important for us today that Noah possessed as well. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to Genesis chapter 6. We're going to start with verse number 5 and uh, read till verse number 13. So it'll be on the screen, uh, of course. Also, it'll be on your Bible if you have that. So here's what it says. It says, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I've created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I'm sorry I ever made them. But Noah found favor with the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now God saw that the earth had been corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. And, and God, as we look at these things together, God, we, can, we, can, we ask that you just open our hearts. God, to hear what the Spirit desires to speak to us. Father, anytime we talk about a story that maybe we've heard before or experienced before or even learned when we were young, it can be very easy to kind of miss some things. And God, I pray that you would just open our minds, you'd open our hearts to what you desire to communicate to us through this story that so many of us know. But at the same time, God, I believe you want to bring some new things out to help us as we draw closer to you. So, Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. As I was praying, a lot of us know this story. We've heard it a lot. We sang about it in Sunday school, maybe. I always, I always like to sing the Arky Arky song. If you don't know what that is, I will not sing it for you now nor later, but I will give you the words later on if you do not know the Arky Arky song. You should, okay? You should. I don't, there, there's no degrees for Sunday school, but when you're a kid, you have to know the Arky Arky song to get your diploma. That's just, that's just the rules. So. But I've always loved that song. I've always loved the story. Even, it's interesting, the story of Noah and the flood and the rainbow and all those things are actually very close to me and my family for some reasons that God has revealed over time and the promises that God says. And, but I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting story. It's a story that we like to focus in on and we do know a lot about. And in fact, as we kind of go on, you know, we're not going to get into the entire story of the flood and everything that went on, but we're going to kind of, I want to kind of bring a bow to the end of it because I think it's important that we do that, but we could do that in Genesis, but we're actually going to find that in Hebrews, in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is what we call the, the, the faith chapter. It basically talks about all these great men and women that showed this faith, and Noah is recorded in there. Hebrews 11:7 it says, it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. So Noah does it. He does everything God has asked, all these sort of things. But I want to kind of step back and instead of talking about some of the things that we typically talk about, I want to talk about something maybe a little bit different. Because I kind of, as I was looking at this over the last several weeks, I've kind of, you know, this story kind of came to me as far as uh, something to share during this series. And as I was looking at it, I kind of began to ask a certain question. 
I began to say, you know, God, I, I, I've known this story. I've heard about it. I've sung about it. But I want to, is there something here I'm missing? Is there something here that can help us and help me as a church and as a, as, as a person be able to get closer and understand you a little bit more? And so I started doing a little research because it was interesting to me, and I've read this before. We read it this morning about how everyone on earth was basically corrupt. There was violence. Their thoughts were on evil all of the time. They responded because their thoughts Thoughts were evil, they responded with actions that were evil. But we hear about this one guy who's not that way. We hear about this one guy. So I was kind of like, well, how, how rare was this that Noah was who he was? And so I started doing a little bit of research. Now, here's the deal. We don't know how many people were on the earth before the flood. In fact, when I looked and studied and kind of went to different places that I kind of trust that might have a good idea of this, I got all sorts of different numbers. I got numbers that were as low as about a million people. I got numbers that were like 750 million. I, got, I, I found one that said they thought there was 4 billion people on the planet at the time of the flood. Here's the deal. We don't know. But here's what we do know. Even if it was a million... Noah was one in a million. I don't know what the type of number was. All I know, there were a lot of people at, on the earth at that time. And Noah was the only one. Noah was the only one who lived a life where God saw and went, now there's a guy I can use. There's a guy who's getting it. There's a guy who walks with me. And I don't know about you, but when I read something like that, and I know we've done this with other characters in Scripture, I want to know what he has done. I want to go, uh, there, there's some qualities here. There's something about Noah that I need to emulate. You know, I like when Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Because I look at that and I go, man, I want to follow Moses as he followed Christ. I want to follow Noah as he followed Christ. What were these guys doing that made God go, hold on. There's somebody here that I need to focus in on. Hold on. There's somebody here that's doing some things that are different than everything else. And so everybody else. So this morning what I want to do is I want to look at just three different qualities that I believe Noah possessed that we can possess today. That, so that we can be used by God in great and mighty ways. And I think this is very important. So what qualities did Noah possess that caused the Lord to choose him? Choose him. The first quality that we're going to look at. Now this is the obvious one. So we made this one first. But it is important that we get this. Okay, Quality number one, Noah chose to be different. Noah chose to be different. Let's look at this together. Genesis chapter 9, verse number 5. It says, Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at the time. Only one. So again, remember, let's say there's a million people. Noah is literally one in a million. Now maybe there's more. Maybe there's 750 million. But this says he's the only one. And he's living blameless, he's living, he's walking, he's righteous, he's walking close to fellowship with God. Now we're going to come back to that verse in just a minute, but we need to see how he's different. Now let's go back to Genesis 6, 9, the second part of that. It says Noah, oops, did I say that wrong? Okay, can you flip it then? Okay, I got it. No, you're good, I messed it up. Okay, so 9, 5, there we go, I got it. Genesis 9, 5. This is what it says. See, this is why you, you have your Bible up here. 9.5. It says, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So on one hand, you have this righteous, blameless, and again, we'll get this in a second, guy that's walking with God, and on the other side, you have people that are literally doing everything wrong. They are on evil continuously. And here's the deal. Like if you have to, if you are thinking evil, if you are experiencing those things, your thoughts are constantly on evil, you are going to allow those things to happen in your life. You're going to treat people like with evil. You're going to live evilly. You're going to do all that you can to, to manipulate and destroy and do all these sort of things. Later on in Genesis 6, it talks about violence. And so we see again that once that evil has come and, and it's on their hearts and on their thoughts and then it begins to, to act out into their world and into their lives and through their actions to others and other things. So you have one person 
who is totally different, who is choosing to be totally different than the world around him. I want to look at this together because as you look at Genesis, basically when he's talking about this idea that Moses is blameless and things like that, Genesis 6, 9, the second part of that, basically we have some words here that I want to look at. I want to break them down a little bit more. And first of all is this idea of the word um, righteous, okay? Now in Hebrew, and this is in your notes, the Hebrew word for righteous is sadik, which means just, Okay? Sometimes in other translations you'll see Noah was just. It's because it's another type of understanding of this word. This means that Noah acted morally right and fair with his dealings with others. Basically, he treated people well. Okay? So this idea, this word, you know, that you just get out of the Hebrew, it basically is this idea of righteous, doing the right things. He's just. He he's, he's treats people well and fair. Okay? So that's what this word is really saying and meaning. He's doing the right things. But then there's also a word blameless. Okay, Blameless is also a, a word translated from Hebrew. Again, this is in your notes because I wanted us to get this. The Hebrew word for blameless is tamin. Tamin, which means it, it is complete or entirely in, in accord with the truth. Okay, What this is saying is not that Noah was sinless. Okay? Noah had sinned just like the rest of us. He was blameless as in he was complete. It also speaks of without blemish, sound, without spot, and undefiled. Okay? So Noah here is described in a way that is completely different than the world around him. The world around him is corrupt, it's violent, it's evil, and the thoughts and actions thereof are all around him. Noah chooses to go literally the opposite direction, and he's alone in this. It's unbelievable when you think about it. Because here's the deal. Noah dealt with people all the time, just like we would. So what does this mean? It means that although Noah is being cheated, Noah isn't cheating back. Even though he's being treated like garbage, Noah isn't treating people back like garbage. It's one thing to live a blameless, quote-unquote, righteous, quote-unquote, life when everyone around you is reciprocating those types of actions. It's completely different to do that when you are constantly getting the raw end of the deal in that. It's hard. I mean, think about a child. You bring a child in to a situation... And they're playing a game, maybe two or three kids, and they're playing games together. And guess what? When somebody, here's, I've, seen it, I've seen it over and over and over again. Somebody cheats, okay, in the game. Well, we, we do have a sense of right and wrong. And so the other child says this, says, well, he's cheating. He's not fair. He's not playing fair. We hear that all the time. But here's the thing we don't sometimes see, because usually as parents, and this isn't a bad thing, we try to get in there to help. But if you let that continue on, I promise you there'll be something next that happens. The kid that was complaining about the cheating will begin to cheat. They'll say, okay, well, this is the rules, or if you're going to cheat, then I'll cheat. Noah didn't do that. Noah responded in the right way. And what's interesting about this is he treated people the right way. He did the right things. And here's the thing. Not only that, but when we break down that word righteous and this idea of how he treated people, he didn't treat people poorly even though he was doing the right things. One of the things that we see over and over again in the New Testament that drove Jesus crazy was dealing with a group of men called the Pharisees. Now the Pharisees were a group of people who were very, very religious, but they couldn't really see Jesus, which was really sad. And man, they were, I mean, basically they were at the top of the spiritual or religious hierarchy of their day. And it angered Jesus the way they treated people. You see, Jesus would say they were not righteous, but yet Noah was. Now here's the interesting thing. In a lot of ways, those Pharisees were kind of following the rules of God to the letter, but yet they weren't righteous. In fact, Jesus said, if your righteousness matches the Pharisees, you're in trouble. But yet Noah was righteous. What's the difference? What's the disconnect? 
I think when we understand the deeper meaning of that word, we understand that it's not just about following, quote unquote, the rules and doing what God wants you to do, but it's doing it in a way that expresses love and care for others at the same time. The Pharisees treated people so poorly. Jesus got so upset. He said, you're adding all these rules. You're weighing down all these people and you're not even lifting a hand to help them. Noah was different. Noah acted different. Here's the thing. It's in your notes. Even though Noah chose to be different, he didn't stick his nose in the air and think he was better than everyone else. I think we have that problem sometimes in our churches. Is we get this air of superiority where because we think we're doing it all right, we can treat people poorly. And that is not what God's word says. It's not who Noah was. Yes, we should be different. There's obviously a difference between light and darkness. But one thing that's interesting to me, and the best example I can give you is the life of Jesus. And I think you've heard me say this before. I read it in a book someplace. Even though Jesus knew it all, he didn't act like one. Children ran to him. People wanted to be around him. Why? I think because he treated people well. He treated people the right way. Yeah, he loved them. Yeah, he was willing to call a spade a spade. But at the same time, he lived differently than the Pharisees of his time. And I think that's one of those things that we want to do in our lives as well. Yes, we should be different than the world we live in. Yes, we should be righteous. Yes, we should be blameless. Yes, we should live in those ways and follow the ways of the Lord. Yes, there should be something different about us. But what should also be different is the way that we love those who may not have the same, not be on the same place, in the same place in their spiritual journey as we are. Noah got that. And even though he was constantly constantly being treated poorly he chose to be different he chose to treat people better quality number two quality number two Noah was available Noah was available look look here and there's going to be two verses it's basically the same thing but it's just interesting that that anytime you see things in scripture in in multiples or even even triples types of things God wants you to see this look Genesis 6:22 and Genesis 7:5 basically is basically saying the same thing so Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him you see it in Genesis 6 and then you see it in Genesis 7 it's basically the same idea Noah did it now, I want you to stop and think about this for a second, because here's the deal. This is one of those stories we've heard so many times that we sometimes forget to place ourselves in the context of what is going on in this situation. Yes, you're blameless. Yes, you've been chosen. God shows up to you and says, listen, and it's here. If you want to see the rest of the story in Genesis 6, you can in Genesis 7, Genesis 8, and so on and so forth. But God comes to you and says this. Hey, man, you're doing such a great job. Here's what I want you to do. Listen, there's a parking lot right, or not a parking lot, there's an open field right over here, right next to the church, okay? It's not ours, but what I want you to do is I want you to build a boat on it, on dry land, in the middle of the country, build a boat. Genesis 6, 22, Genesis 7, 5, Noah did Everything exactly as God had commanded. Think about that. How do you respond when God basically asks you to do something a little bit crazy? Now, I don't know what your crazy is or what your view of crazy is, but I promise you this. If your view of crazy isn't build a boat on dry land when it's never rained before, then you and I need to talk about what crazy is, okay? And no one does this. I mean, stop and think about it, please. Get, get this, this, this view of like children's nursery, you know, bedrooms and how cute little animals are on the ark out of your mind for just a second and realize what this man was told to do and he did it. And he, listen, I'll be honest with you. If God showed up and I'm, I'm Noah and God says, hey, Aaron, Noah, whatever, I want you to build a, a, a boat on dry land. God and I are going to have a conversation about that. I'm not going to go, no problem. What type of wood, God? Noah just does this. 
I mean, you want to talk about being available to God's call. I mean, here's the deal. We want to be available. We talk about availability. We sing songs, God send me, and all these sort of things. But here's what we do. We have our caveats to that. God send me if it's something I'm okay with. God send me if it's something I agree with. God send me if it's something that I can make sense of. Noah is not that way. Noah just does it because God tells him to. God, I mean, that's, that's crazy to me. And here's the other thing that we typically do when it comes to availability. When God asks us to do something, we typically do this. Like, God, I'm not... We use this word a lot. I'm not qualified to do that. I'm not qualified. Now, here's the deal. We don't know what Noah did before the flood. We don't. But we do know what Noah does after the flood. And more than likely, it's very safe to say that probably what he did after the flood is possibly what he did before the flood. And we're told in Genesis 9 that basically Noah, after the flood, farms. He, he builds a vineyard. So more than likely, we don't know this for sure, Noah is not a boat builder. Noah's a farmer. He had every reason to go, listen, God, I'm not qualified for this. I've never built a boat in my life. But he doesn't. He doesn't. And remember, how many people are there? Maybe there's a million. Maybe there's 750 million. We don't know. Regardless, I got a feeling that there's got to be somebody in that group who had built a boat before who is probably a little more qualified. What you're going to find in these qualities, none of them are basically about ability. You see, God's not overly concerned with your ability. When God asks us to do something, he will provide us the knowledge, the resources, the wisdom to accomplish it. But he doesn't always do it beforehand. And Noah said, it doesn't matter that I've never built a boat. It doesn't matter that all I've ever done is plant maybe a vineyard or something else. God, if you've asked me to do it, I'm available to your call. I'll be willing to do it. And he did. This is in your notes. I want us to get this because I think sometimes this keeps us from being available. God is not so much looking for ability. He's looking for availability. Okay? I always think of sports when I think of this because that's just where my head goes. Listen, you can be the best baseball player that has ever walked the earth. You could be the best tennis, whatever sport you want to throw out there. You could be the best person ever. But if you're hurt and you're not available for the game, it means nothing in the scope of the season. Okay? God doesn't necessarily look at us and go, wow, man, I got this guy. His name's David. He's a shepherd. He's going to be the perfect king. Like, what? Gideon? You start the name over and over and over again. Moses, are you kidding? Peter? Big mouth Peter? He's going to be a guy that you can use? It wasn't about the ability. It was about people that were available to God's call. Who said, you know what, yeah, I, I've, I've been a fisherman my whole life, Jesus. But if you say you're going to make me a fisher of men, I'll go. I'll do it. Yeah, God, I've only been a shepherd. I've only, you know, watched sheep my whole life. But if you've called me and anointed me to be the king of your people, I'll do it. Sometimes we, we, we focus so much on, a, on ability that we forget that, that God is really interested in our availability. Don't miss that. Because here's the deal. Because I've had people say this to me, and, and it, it's humbling and it, it means a lot. Don't misunderstand me. But if you think I have the ability to do this by myself, you're nuts. And I love you, but you're nuts. I'm not here because of my, I have an ability. I, hopefully I'm here because I said, God, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. That's a scary, listen, that's a scary prayer to pray. Because God a lot of times goes, okay, here we go. 
And a lot of people miss what God wants to do in their hearts and the way that he wants to use them to do great and mighty things because somehow it's like we take our resume up to God and we go, but God, I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified. Noah wasn't qualified, guys. But yet God chose him and God used him to save the human race. It's absolutely incredible. Quality number three, last one. Quality number three, (laughs) Noah was not a quitter. Noah was not a quitter. Now, we don't know exactly how long it took Noah to build the ark. I remember when I was young, one of the things that I always heard a lot was it took 120 some years. We don't really believe that's the case, okay? Uh, There's a little bit of misconception in in one of the scriptures. I won't get into it, but, but if we go by genealogies, okay, that are in the Bible, we think that probably it took anywhere from 55 to 75 years to build the ark. Okay? Now remember, you're building this ark on dry land. You're building this ark where scripture has said it has never rained before. Can you imagine trying to have a conversation with somebody? Okay? Now here's the deal. I just believe because I think it's funny in my own head that Noah had neighbors. Now, I don't know how your neighbors are. I hope you have good neighbors. But you know what? Neighbors are kind of, you know, they can kind of be hit or miss. And so I've always imagined that, that Noah's neighbors were a little like, you know, kind of like good neighbors, but also kind of like, you know, that type of like what's going on neighbor, you know? So here's Noah. He begins to build an ark in his backyard. And his neighbor knocks, you know, on the door. So, hey, Noah, uh, what are you doing? I'm building a boat. Building an ark. What's an ark? Well, you know, it's a, it's a boat, and, and God spoke to me, and it's going to rain, and, and if, you, if you don't get in the ark, you're, I, mean, I mean, they probably want to get Noah like, like he's certifiably insane. And so this, this starts, and it goes on and on. And I mean, it's amazing. Think about this. After 30 years, maybe he's halfway done. Maybe. But he doesn't quit. He keeps going. He keeps working. He keeps sawing. He keeps hammering. He keeps believing. He keeps knowing. No, God spoke to me. No, I know what's true. I know what's right. It doesn't matter what other people say. It doesn't matter how bad the world gets. I am going to stand firm in the truth that I know that God has spoken to me. And he saw some more. And he hammers some more. And he sweats some more. Listen, I guarantee you, there were times where Noah wanted to quit. I promise you, there were times where Noah's like, what am I doing with my life? But he keeps working. He keeps hammering. He keeps moving forward. God has been kind of speaking to my heart about something over the last month. And I've been trying to figure out how he's wanted me to share it because I feel like it's very important. And I feel like this is the Sunday and this is the topic because as I read scripture, as I understand scripture, there's, there's a, a, a time in scripture where as we get closer to the end of everything, and I think we're close. I really do. And I know that people have said that for hundreds of years. And here's the deal. I, I'm, I'm more right than they are. And if somebody says it tomorrow, they'll be more right than I am. Okay? We are headed this way. And Paul, in several portions of Scripture, he prophesies about something. In some translations, you see the words falling away. In others, it's apostasy. In others, it's rebellion. Just so you know, they all come from the same Greek word, and they all basically mean the same thing. Every translation that uses those is is correct. But basically, what Paul is telling us is at the end of things, when things are really becoming, getting close, there is going to be a great falling away. And it's just been something that's been on my heart over the last, honestly, several years but more recently in the last month. I don't know if you've, I've talked about this. I know you've seen it where, where we, we seem like, I don't think we've had any recently, to be honest with you, but maybe it was during the COVID time or something. It was just like every other week you turn something on and there was somebody who had claimed to 
be a Christian and they were famous in some way, maybe in the music world, maybe as a pastor or whatever, and, and they've just basically said, you know, just so you know, I don't believe in any of this anymore. And it was strange, you know, and I always kind of looked at it and I was like, well, maybe it's just because, um, you know, we have information that is always, re- you know, maybe this was always the case kind of a thing, but we didn't necessarily go on Twitter and tell the world. Maybe that was it, I don't know. But it just seemed like in my spirit there was something different. There was something going on that was a little bit greater. And it concerned me. I want to look at this with you as we kind of bring this to a close. If you have your Bibles, again, it'll be on the screen. 2 Thessalonians 2, the first part of verse 3, it says this. Listen to what Paul says, because here's the deal. When he's writing to the people in Thessalonica at this time, they're very concerned about the return of Jesus. This is the context of this verse. And they've been told that basically they've missed Jesus's coming, okay? So Paul is helping them understand, no, you haven't missed this. So he basically, in these scriptures, he's basically saying, this is why you haven't missed it, if that makes sense. And so he says this, listen, he says, let no one deceive you by any means. Okay, that deception is that they were, that Jesus had already come. For that day, that day in this version of the New King James is talking about the day of Jesus' return. That day will not come unless the falling away comes first. Okay? The falling away comes first. Again, your scriptures, your translations may say apostasy. It may say rebellion. Again, it all comes from the same Greek word. Okay? Look, he brings it up again in 1 Timothy 4.1. Listen to what it says. 1 Timothy 4.1. But the Holy Spirit tells us clearly, clearly, that in the last times or the last days, some in the church will turn away from Christ and become eager followers of teachers with devil-inspired ideas. You don't fall away from something you're not in. You don't rebel against a country or against something that you're not a part of. This is speaking specifically to people who claim to have a relationship with Jesus. And there's a great falling away. And I'll be honest with you, it concerns me. It concerns me. As someone who takes very seriously his role as a shepherd, it concerns me. Because scripture is very clear. There are going to be people who claim to have a relationship with Jesus who are going to quit. Who are going to say, you know what? I don't, I, this isn't for me. I don't believe this anymore. And they are going to walk away. And please hear me. None of us, none of us are immune from that. We all have to be aware of what scripture tells us. We all have to be aware that you know what? We may get tired. You know what? We may get frustrated. You know what? We have been waiting for 30 plus years to finish this boat, but we're not going to quit. We're going to continue on. Listen, scripture is clear. There's going to be a falling away, but I would say, and I can only speak for me, that I, it, I am going to do everything in my power, knowing that I have the possibility of doing that just like anybody else, but that will not be said of me. That will not be said of me. And I think it takes that type of determination and that type of statement in our, every single one of our lives. Because I believe scripture teaches very clearly. Jesus says that if the days were not shortened, we would all turn away. That's how bad it's going to get. That's how hard it is going to be for all of us. You go, Aaron, boy, this isn't very, you know, I'm not going to walk out of here feeling really encouraged. I'm sorry. This is what God's word says. And I love you too much to say, yeah, go play in the highway and just don't maybe get hit by the the truck. 
one of the qualities that Noah showed us that was so true and I believe is one of the reasons God chose him for this was he was not going to quit no matter how hard it got, no matter how hot it got, no matter how difficult it got, no matter what others were saying, no matter how many times he sat there and said, but God, I got blisters on my hands. I'm older. I'm tired. I don't want to do this anymore. But yet he kept on building. He kept on moving forward. And I think for some of us, if I could just be honest, we're ready to quit. We're tired. Listen, it, it, God, we don't ever have where God got angry with Noah because he got tired. Because we know he did. He kept on going. And there's a part of me that really as this has been kind of building in my heart and over literally, literally over the last couple of years and, and when is the right time and how, I mean, it's been some of those things where I just, I want to look at some of us, whether online or here, and say, look, I get it. It's hard building a boat, especially when we've never built a boat before. But I want to encourage you, don't give up. Don't quit. I know sometimes it's hard. I know sometimes we sit there and we go, God, why? God, I don't understand. I get it. I do the same exact thing. But don't quit. Don't give up. Don't stop moving. Don't stop praying. Don't stop spending time with the Lord. Don't stop spending time with others that it can encourage you and help you and lift you up. Don't quit. Don't quit because the falling away is coming. I don't know if it started. I have no idea. God hasn't let me know. But if it hasn't, it is going to come. And I could give you statistic after statistic after statistic. There's a lot of people that are a lot smarter than I am who believe it's already begun. And they can give you statistics to prove it. I don't know. I'm not so much interested in the timing of it as much as I'm interested in being ready for it. And I believe that's what God has called us to do. And not just called us to not quit. But remember, Noah had some sons too. Noah probably did a really good job of encouraging them not to quit as well. So it's not just about our ability to say, you know what, I'm going to persevere. You know what, I'm going to keep going. You know what, I'm not going to let the truth that I know is true to kind of go away, but also to grab those around us and encourage them to continue on as well. We looked at Hebrews 11 and we talked about it a little bit earlier, kind of seeing Noah. Remember, Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter and we see all these mighty men and women of God that, that just didn't give up, had faith, kept moving, kept experiencing things. But look here, the writer of Hebrews starts Hebrews 12 with a very important verse. Let's look at it together. Now remember, Hebrews 11, we just got all these examples of faith. So it says, therefore... Therefore, I love that word because basically what it's saying, remember, okay, let me stop for just a second. Sometimes people forget this. Okay, scripture was not written with verses and chapters, okay? Do you already know that? They came on later to help us find things a little bit easier. So when the authors that are writing these things, they're not thinking, okay, well, oh, this is a new chapter. Now we're moving on to chapter 12. It didn't work that way, okay? So we have to remember that, okay? So when he's saying, or she, whoever wrote it, saying, therefore... They're speaking to what has just been spoken in the earlier, in, in chapter 11, okay? So therefore, okay, now I'll throw it back. Thank you, Em. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. So basically what he's saying, listen, I just gave you example after example after example after example of people who didn't quit, who kept moving forward, who allowed their faith to really affect their lives because of all those people, because of those individuals, because you've seen all those things, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. 
especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance. Don't quit the race God has set before us. We do this. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. I love this verse. So many good things here. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. You know what I love about that? It's like, it's like the writer of Hebrews is sitting there going, hey, I just gave you some really great examples, but just in case you're not so smart, I give you Jesus. I give you him as the example to follow, to not give up. Because he basically says, hey, Jesus showed us what it really looked like. And here's the deal. How do you not quit? How do you run the race with endurance? It's simple. You keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. Like, we love to make this complicated. And a lot of times, I'll be honest, the people that make it the most complicated sit behind or stand behind one of these things. Maybe not a music stand, but whatever. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Aaron, how do I keep my eyes on Jesus? Easy. You read about him. Where do I read about him? In God's word. You speak to him. How do I speak to him? You pray to him. You're, you're, you're with Jesus. You, you, you surround yourself with people that you can talk about Jesus with. We have community groups. We don't do that because we have nothing to do over the weekends. We do it because it gives us an opportunity to keep our eyes on Jesus. And you know what? That's harder and harder and harder when a lot of times we spend most of our time with our eyes on our phones or our eyes around the world around us. Or quite honestly, our eyes on our pocketbooks or how much money we have in the bank. I've told this story before and I'll tell it again at some point down the road. But a lot of you know this, some of you may not. The last couple of years... I've done a, a, a very long bike race, okay? And it has been an endurance bike race. It's 143 miles. It's a long way. And I'll be honest with you. Like, there are times when you're doing something like that. You want to quit, and you want to quit bad. I mean, you sit there, and you can to talk to yourself. It's like, you, you literally go, I know this sounds crazy, because it's like, what are you doing? Like, like you're going, Aaron, you could stop at any time. And the pain would be over. The hurt in your body would be over. Aaron, you've done enough. Aaron, hey, 50 miles. Man, that's a long way. There's not a lot of people in this world can go 50 miles. 100 miles. Aaron, you know, you don't have to, you know, this is enough. This, you've done more than your share. You begin to hurt physically. You begin to hurt mentally. You begin to hurt in every place that you could hurt. But I'll be honest with you. And again, I've told you this story before. You know what has literally helped me finish? It wasn't that I trained well enough. It was literally, and I've, 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 both races has been the exact same thing. And this may sound weird, but I think you'll get it. It's knowing who's at the finish line. Emily and Easton come with me every year. And I really truly mean this. I don't know if I would have finished either race if they weren't waiting for me at the finish line. I kept my eyes on them. Their face. Their excitement. To hear my son and my wife go, you can do it. It made every mile worth it. And they're, they're humans, they're, not, they're flawed, they, they love me the best they can. You get what I mean. But you want to talk about putting your eyes on Jesus? That'll help anybody finish the race. When you think about what he has done for us, when you think about how much he loves us, when you think about all that he is, is and, and is going to do, listen, listen, the world gets loud. 
You get tired. I get it. But if you want to finish your race, you keep your eyes on Jesus. You don't keep your eyes on me. You don't keep your eyes on your spouse. You don't keep your eyes on your children. Although those are great things to love and care about. You keep your eyes on Jesus. It's the only way to finish. Especially considering that we know there are going to be a lot of people who are not going to finish the race. Noah was quite a person, wasn't he? You start to think about him and you kind of get away from kind of the marble man that we've kind of made him and other biblical characters into and you realize, man, although he wasn't perfect and we see in Scripture that he wasn't, he was really somebody that I want to have a lot of those qualities in my life. I don't want to be a quitter for God. I want to be available no matter what. And I want to be different than the world that we are placed in. I want to be used by God in that way. And I believe this with all my heart that God, listen, and this may sound weird, but just go with it. God has an ark building thing for every person in this room and everybody that's online. Every single one of us. I don't know what your ark is. I really don't know. But I know that God has called us each with a purpose and a plan. And to complete it in the way that God wants us to complete it, it would really be important for us to take some of these qualities that Noah has shown us and apply them to our lives today. But more than anything, we keep our eyes on Jesus. We don't watch, we don't, we don't keep our eyes on the news or other things or who's in power in Washington or who isn't. We keep our eyes on him. Because when we do that, I believe that we'll finish our race. And I believe also that we'll not just finish it, we'll finish it strong. Let's all bow our heads, let's close our eyes, let's spend a few moments in, in prayer together as we kind of bring this to a close. Obviously, kind of interesting that today was, is really the first day of, of, of you know, it's day 22, you know, and I know that there's some people that are still fasting, but for the majority of us, this is kind of our first day back, and, and it's, it was, it's an experience that's, it's, it's great, and, and now it's, it's very easy for us to begin to not be so focused on Jesus, in a lot of ways, it's like, okay, we have these 21 days, we're focused on him, our eyes are on him, but now, day 22, okay, day 23, day 24, all of a sudden, by day 25, we're back with our eyes on everything but him. And, and I just really, truly feel that, that God is calling us not necessarily to continue the fasting in prayer, you know, time like we have done, but that, that just because the 21 days are over doesn't mean the focus should ever be over. Fasting and prayer and calling for that as a church body is, is a good thing because it, it, it's something we can all do together, but, but at the same time, it honestly shouldn't be that different from our normal daily life, whether it be in March or, 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 or August or, or October. And so, Father, I pray for all of us that, God, as we kind of conclude this time and that although the 21 days are done, that we would continue to look to you. We would continue to focus and keep our eyes on you. Because you are who we need. You are what we need. And Father, I also want to take a moment. And God, I want to pray specifically for those that feel hopelessness. 
that feel like they're ready to give up. Maybe they feel like you didn't answer a prayer that they, they thought you should answer at a certain time. Or, or, or maybe they're just tired of building the boat. Maybe, they, maybe they've been working on some boat for a long, long time. And they're just like, you know what? I'm just tired of swinging this hammer. God, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would just encourage them. That you would help them to know you have not forgotten about them. That although the rain hasn't yet come, the rain will come at the right moment and at the right time. And that they can just keep their eyes on Jesus, just keep their eyes on him to let the other situations and circumstances just kind of go away. Because God, you're not, you're not hindered or kept from keeping your promises because of circumstances we face. You will do what you've promised. It may take some time, but God, your promises are yes and amen. So, Father, for those that, that need to be a little bit more available, God, I pray that they would be open to your call. For those that maybe their lives are not as different as they should be from the world that you've placed us in, God, I pray that they would understand that it's time to be a little more set apart. And God, for those that are ready to quit, God, I pray that you would strengthen them up again. And for all of us, that you would help us keep our eyes on you. For you are who we need. You are the author and perfecter of our faith. Father, you haven't left us. You will never leave us. You'll never forsake us. Even in moments and in times where we're discouraged, you are with us and you've got us and you will not let us go. So God, help us in all these things and in all these areas. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Okay? But again, so proud of you. Proud of all of you that have been a part of this fasting time. But again, want to encourage you. Okay? It's not over, even though it's over. Okay? Keep going. Keep praying. Keep looking and seeking God. Because remember we talked about several weeks ago. God's told us this. He promised us this. We talked about it in our community groups. Not to spoil anything for the group that meets tonight. But when we search for God with our whole heart, we will find Him. All right? Awesome. Listen, have a great week. Remember, ladies, if you haven't signed up, sign up sheets out there in the foyer. That's coming up really, really soon. I hope you have a wonderful week. I love you. We'll talk to you soon.